And now on this episode of Miami Miked Up, a man who reminds me that when I think I'm busy, I don't know what I'm talking about because he is on WPLG doing a million things there. He is on the sidelines for the Miami Heat. He is really covering every single team in this market. It's Will Manso. Will, thank you so much for taking some time out of what I know, because we just spoke about it, is a very busy day, um, very busy week for you, very busy year, very busy existence, to take some time to chat with me today on Miami Mic'd Up. Well, listen, I, I know you say it humbly, but uh, you are about as busy as anyone. So uh, you know exactly the cycle of South Florida sports that never stops. So uh, we enjoy it. It's not bad. At least teams are winning. Yeah, that, that certainly makes it better. It's been a lot of fun uh, watching these teams throughout the year, and we'll get to all of those within this conversation, but we will start with the Miami Heat. But before we get to that, I do have to ask you, despite all the busyness, what is something that's recently brought you some joy outside of work, outside of sports? I taught my youngest daughter how to ride a bike. And oh. it was, uh, yeah. And she had, you know, it's funny. She has, uh, she's a tough minded kid. So <laughs> she had been struggling with it. And then I got busy and we had put it off for like a couple weeks. And I told her Saturday, honey, I'm off. It's a rare day for me off. We're going to go and we're going to learn. And 10 minutes in, she got frustrated and she's like, I can't do it. I'm like, you're going to do it. And to see her face an hour later, when I let go, no training rules. And she mm. was riding and she's like, I did it. And to know, like this morning, I dropped her off at school. She's like, Daddy, we're going to ride again. And I said, Saturday all day. So that brought me a lot of joy, no doubt. That is amazing. Um, yeah. I know my parents are probably listening to this and remember their experiences trying to teach me how to ride a bike, which <laughs> were uh, ultimately successful at some point in that yes. I was um, a sort of, I was very, very athletic when it came to uh, sports with a ball. I could okay. play basketball, I could play baseball, football, yeah. I could play, obviously, baseball was my sport. Um, my hand-eye coordination, great. My feet-eye coordination, <laughs> not so great. So riding a skateboard, riding a bike, yeah. all of those things, dancing, not so great for me. And uh, I was also, and still remain, a bit of a perfectionist. And so when I would fail, I would just throw temper tantrums, cry, you know, yes. the whole nine. And so I remember it took until there was basically one day when I was like, man, probably like 10 years old, like, I, you know, 10, 11 years old, had been yeah. struggling with it. My friends were like starting to ride bikes around the neighborhood and I felt left out. And so my parents took me to Trade Winds Park where like Butterfly, oh, I know, I know Butterfly very World well. is. Yeah, I know very well, yeah. Um, and went there and found like where the back back fields, I think baseball fields even, like back <laughs> where nobody was. Yep. And yeah, just this, spent, this is like, where it's going to happen. This it's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to cry. You might scrape up a knee, but it's going to be okay because you're going to learn how to yeah. ride a bike. And ultimately, like, thank goodness they did and had the patience I don't, with I, me. It's crazy when you think about it because everybody says it's like riding a bike. Yeah, riding a bike is hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. Difficult. Once you get it, maybe it's okay, but it's not like riding a bike. Riding a bike is hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so let's let's talk about the Miami Heat because uh, yeah. you know you could say that winning for them is like riding a bike. Uh, back 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 on the bike uh, after starting one and four this season. Now six straight wins, four and zero on their road trip, two and zero in the in season tournament. Worth mentioning. Uh, Will, uh, let's just start here with sort of your overall takeaways from this six game win streak and that four and zero road trip. You know, I think it's two things, honestly. Number one is the depth that they preached in the preseason that everybody talked about. I think some people rolled their eyes. were like, it's depth, but is it, you know, I mean, this is a star-driven league. You didn't add any stars. So 
no one saw depth as a positive other than those within the organization. I think all of us were a little skeptical. Okay, mm-hmm. how's this depth going to work? So number one is they're winning because of that depth. I mean, they still had guys out. We know Tyler's out. We saw Jimmy miss a game this trip. We saw Kyle miss a game. We saw Bam earlier miss a game of the season. Caleb hasn't played in a couple of weeks. I mean, there are guys that have been out, and these are all key contributors, and yet they're winning. So I think number one is the depth is true it's legit like their mm-hmm. depth is real and productive i think number two is and, and i think you probably sense it because you were around the team last year a lot and i was as well and i think heat fans who watched every game uh this team has a different energy because last year sometimes felt like a grind in the regular season sometimes yep. it felt like games didn't have good energy this year it's the complete opposite and i think it's a credit to the new guys yeah. i think it's a credit to having h you know, Hayward Highsmith get his first oh. real opportunity to be a rotation player. There's no wasted energy when he's on the field. There's no, or on the court. There's no moments where he's just kind of going through the motions. Same with Jaime being a rookie. The same with Jay Rich getting a second chance with the Heat. Mm-hmm. So you go down the list of players that are now getting opportunities and you mix and match it with the players who were stars, the Jimmies, the Bams, the guys like that, and Tyler when he's healthy. And this team just feels different. You know, it, it just does. It just feels more energy. It's so funny you say that because I think once again, everyone was having the conversation about running it back mm-hmm. when really the only guys who remain from the 2020 run are four guys. It's it's yep. their big three of Jimmy Bam and Tyler it's and the then core. Duncan Robinson as well. Um, and Duncan, in a lot of ways, has added that sort of energy, just like yeah. you talked about, and that he's kind of a new and rejuvenated player getting Absolutely. back to having these minutes that were taken away by Max Struess last season, even by Gabe Vincent in some respects mm-hmm. last season. And with those guys out the door, you know, not playing with that same rotation, I feel that same thing you're talking about here. And as much as I want to start with Bam or Jimmy or Haywood or Duncan even, I think we have to start with Jaime Hawkins Jr., who, yeah. who played every fourth quarter minute for this team through this stretch. That's a lot of what Max Struess did last season as, as mm-hmm. the sole guy playing every minute in the fourth quarter. He had 17-5 and five in their game against Charlotte, 8 of 13 from the field, working in the post, averaged 15-4-3 on this road trip. I mean, there's not enough great things to say, but Jaime Hawkins Jr. does not play like a rookie, right? Like, what, no. what have you seen from this poise from him so early in the season? Well, a poise is a great word, and I think when you look at everybody said he's NBA ready, right? It's yeah. seamless because of his experiences, but I don't think anybody thought this. There's NBA ready and there's NBA productive. You know, mm-hmm. like the NBA ready is like, hey, okay, he can go and give you a couple stretches of a couple of minutes. NBA productive is not being a closer four straight games, as you mentioned, all 12 minutes of a fourth quarter for a team that's won six straight games. A right. team that was in the NBA finals just a few years ago, and as you mentioned, has the same core back. It's not like this team got blown up in the offseason and they're playing kids. I mean, this guy's earned his opportunities. So the NBA readiness, the polish in his game, the production, and I think more than anything, the confidence. Mm-hmm. Eric Spolster had that confidence in him from day one, and I was wondering why. Like, okay, why? Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing it, number one, and Jaime said it best the other day. He said, I don't know if you guys really follow me a lot at UCLA, but we played these games. We played these tense clutch games at the end where the ball was in my hand or I had to get the right. ball in other playmakers' hands. And this was like my life every day for four years at UCLA. So it's no change to me because it's the NBA. And as crazy as that sounds from a rookie, he's right. I yeah, mean, he I, plays I, the way you would expect them to play. I think the interesting thing, it, 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 it was signified in the Heat's last loss, the loss against Brooklyn at home, where Jaime started that game and started... 0 of 4, 0 of 5, 0 of 6 from 3. But the thing that you saw was, despite starting 0 of 4, 0 of 5, 0 of 6 from 3, he was shooting the ball nonstop in those first Mm -hmm. few minutes because that's what he was told to do. He did not lose confidence 
in his shot, despite the fact that a couple of those were air balls. He Man. still played hard on defense. He still helped facilitate. And ultimately, even though I think he was one for nine from the field in that game, O of six from three, he had yeah. a very productive game and helped the Heat down the stretch. And I think when you see a player who's had as much experience as he's had in college, like you mentioned, playing in these important games, there's nothing like playing. Right. Yeah. As much as as there is the talent of these guys who come out after, you know, a year in college or, you know, go to the G League and do their thing or yeah. play overseas for a year. There is no recipe for success in the NBA as much as continuing to play games. And we've seen yep. that from from so many guys on this Miami Heat team, including Haywood Highsmith, who now, you yeah. know, becomes a, a staple of this roster. He's going to be their starting power forward moving forward for the foreseeable future. You so. would imagine, yeah. regardless of when Caleb Martin comes back. Um, the defensive tenacity from Haywood, and and I'll I'll keep screaming it until you know people listen around the country. Is he is going to be that next guy that everybody says where'd he come from? Come you know April or May when the playoffs okay. come around. How much of an X factor do you view Haywood Highsmith as being for this team's future success this season? Because they've started six and zero with him in the starting lineup. Yeah, and I think you said it best. I think people are going to realize that come playoff time. And look, I'm not going to sit here 11 games of the season and tell you the Heat are going to go to the NBA Finals. <laughs> right. I don't know. Too many. There's too many variables, too many injuries potential, too many you know buyout market trades, other teams. Of course. I get it. But the one thing that's a constant is the work that these guys put in and Haywood puts in as much or more than anyone. And I think what we're seeing in him is what we saw all along. He was billed. I remember when he came in a couple of years ago to the system and it was like, this is a three and D guy. And I looked at him and I mean, I, I saw the D. OK, a little defense. He works hard. Like three. Is this guy going to be a consistent shooter? OK, great. And then in that time, other guys evolved. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, other guys to the system. Caleb okay. Martin. Caleb Martin, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle as like, ah, he's one of the guys that may not work out, whatever. He's hustling, he's working, whatever. He gives you right. some depth. Now we've noticed, oh no, the last two or three years weren't a waste. They were they were that cycle that we see in the system. And now you see a guy that you see why the Heat thought he'd be a great 3 and D. You leave him open, he's knocking down the three with confidence. You put him on the best defender on the other side, top guard, whatever it may be. We saw him against LaMelo Ball and Charlotte oh my just God. in his face. And Ball is about as quick as anybody in the NBA couldn't get around H. So I think that is your formula. People are going to realize come the playoffs when he's in front of Jason Tatum, when when he's get he's bodying up, you know, uh Jalen Brunson, when he's getting on these players on are on the Eastern Conference successful teams and putting a body on Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever it may be. And Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> yeah, like my god, the Heat got another one. Where the heck did they do this? How did they do this? And how do they keep doing this? He's exactly in that formula. It's amazing. He really is sort of this embodiment of what the Heat culture stands for. And yet another example of it, right? We talk about yeah. Gabe, Max, you know, who have gotten paid elsewhere. You talk about Caleb here, Duncan here. Now Haywood's that next guy. And when you talk about sort of the work that gets done in between seasons to improve, mm -hmm. I think Duncan Robinson is a guy that because he's had minutes the entire time and because he's played a very specific role on this team the entire time, folks haven't seen all the things he's been doing to improve his game throughout the last several seasons behind the scenes. You know, we right. we know during practice, you know, while while the guys who were in the rotation last season were all practicing five on five. You had a lot of times where Duncan was playing two-on-two -two with guys like Jamal Cain, Orlando Robinson, Udonis mm -hmm. Haslam, for that matter, participating in a lot of that as he was trying to improve his game, particularly driving to the basket 
And that's been such a huge part of his game this season. You know, we know some of this has been in his bag. He's been really good at cutting the hoop throughout his career. But can you point out sort of what you've seen on this journey for Duncan that's made it so special for him as he's sort of been so ready to step into a huge role this season? I think I could say this with some confidence that I'm not overstepping some sort of a boundary with Duncan's, you know, attitude or personality. He's a really likable guy. He's a very yeah. smart guy. Anybody that's listened to his podcast and or heard him speak, he's just a, he loves basketball, loves the game, very cerebral, very good guy. Mm-hmm. There was a stretch where I could honestly say he looked miserable. Yep. And and I don't know if he was. I don't know what, but I do know Duncan's talked about the mental part of it in this stretch. He just, what he portrayed to the outside, he just looked miserable. He mm-hmm. didn't look happy. He didn't look like he was he was doing the things he knows he could do. And I don't mean that as a knock on the way he felt about the organization. I think it was more he was down on himself because Absolutely. he had lost the role he had worked so hard to gain. So I think what Duncan did was instead of moping, instead of saying, whatever, I'm getting paid big money, he worked. He worked yep. on that game, uh, on the pick and roll, on the driving, on the driving kick, on the finishing, on the move we saw against Weminyama, against the Spurs, oh. a little hesitation. Oh my I God, mean, the Smitty. Yeah, he worked on his game. And now you look at Duncan now, watch him post-game, pre-game. He's always smiling. Mm-hmm. I think he has found the sense of purpose and fun in basketball. Sometimes we lose sight. These guys are human. I don't care that the bank account has more zeros than ours. Mm-hmm. They are human. Things in life success, failure, it impacts you. And I think it impacted Duncan. I think he's having fun again. I think he's smiling again. I think he's enjoying himself again. Whether that rolls off the bench or as a starter, I think he has the confidence in himself again that he's going to help this team win games. And I think the confidence is paying off because we see it every game. Absolutely. And he like, you talk about that mental hurdle. Um, You know, he supported Max Strew so much as Max mm-hmm. rose. And then Max ultimately supplanted him in that job and in that role and dealing with the sort of emotional turmoil of, tough. of you've made it and now you're out. And, you know, for so many of these guys, we, basketball is their sanctuary, right? When you're yeah. going through something emotionally, whether it's in your life, whether it's, you know, in your personal life, whether it's it's on your job as, as a human being, right? You find the things that you love, the things that bring you solace, your hobbies, the people that matter. When your passion becomes your job and then your job isn't going the way that you want it to and you go to lean back into that passion and that's actually the thing that's causing you the strife. Yeah. I can only imagine how difficult it would be when, you know, you're growing up as a kid going to a, you know, D2, D3 college and just shooting hoops was the thing that was helping you get through those hurdles. Now, shooting hoops was probably the thing causing you more stress, more anxiety. More, more anxiety. And so yeah. to to watch him not only be willing to overcome that, because there's so many guys, given the contract, given the circumstances that could have just said, all right, man, I'll, I'll cash it uh, in and yeah. I'll have I'll, I'll try to have a good contract year where I shoot a high percentage at the end of this thing and yep. hope that I get paid again. He worked and added so many things to his game. And it's been so impressive to see that you look at guys like him yeah. and Haywood. And, you know, when talking about Haywood before guarding LaMelo Ball, also guarding Victor Wembanyama, like it's crazy <laughs> yeah. the versatility there. But really, ultimately, this team, this go, you know, goes as their stars go. Um, and Jimmy and Bam are at the center of that right now with Tyler Hero out. Bam and Abayo, five straight games of 20 and 10. He had the 2020-10 triple-double. I'm not calling it a 22-19-10. Nope, 2020, triple-double. I agree. 2020, agreed. <laughs> Jimmy drops 32 against Charlotte, sort of shaking yeah. off the rust of having no preseason, looking more like himself the last couple of games. 
how encouraging it to, is it to you that that these two guys look like themselves? And then, you know, for that matter, Bam looks improved, particularly on the offensive end. Gonna should be the defensive player of the year, or at least right around it, despite yeah. these insane narratives. And and for yeah. that matter, don't forget Tyler Hero looked like he'd taken a step before this injury. You know, does this yeah. team still go as their big three goes, despite how well these role players are playing? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think Eric Spolster said it the other day, when they were one and four and they weren't finishing games, Spo said, this big three is going to be okay. We're going to mm-hmm. be all right. And some people kind of like, oh, the big three, give me a break. You know, the big, no, this is their big three. This is it their is. core. This is the core that's been, by the way, to two NBA finals in four years. So you can't sit there and say like, oh, this is not a good core. Right. It hasn't worked. It has worked. What they haven't been able to do is finish and win that championship. Mm-hmm. But I think the core is there and that's where they kind of, that's, that's going to be their bread and butter all season long. The guys we mentioned, all role players are always important. Any Heat championship, any Heat finals team has had the importance of the core of the bench guys and that. But the big three, whatever you want to call it, the main guys, that's where the production comes. Jimmy's looking like himself again. Jimmy knows what he's doing. He knows how to ramp it up. You know, Some people are like, oh, why didn't he play the preseason? It's not the way it works. Jimmy, when you look at Jimmy's formula in four years in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. He's always at his best come postseason time. Yep. Now, it doesn't mean he's succeeded every time, but he's always at his best going into the postseason as long as he's healthy. Why are you going to change the pattern if the pattern is three Eastern Conference Finals appearances and two NBA Finals? Keep doing what's working. I think with Bam, it's a progression that we were waiting for. And I think part of his leadership, he yep. really has taken this captain role like serious. I mean, this is not like, okay, I'm the captain. UD put me there. I'm, every once in a while, I'm going to say, come on, guys. No, he wears that with an honor because he knows what it means to take over for you to be the captain on top of the fact that guys turn to him to produce and make plays. He had all double-doubles on the road trip. He had enormous games, including that triple-double earlier that you referenced. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bam has elevated his game, and he wants even more. I mean, he doesn't want to just be a 20-8 and or 9 guy. He wants to be a 23-11 and guy. He wants two blocks a game. He wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. And right now, he's doing all of that and more. I do think uh, something with that captainship, not only of the relationship with Udonis Haslam, who helped bring him up from a rookie backup center behind Hassan Whiteside to what he has turned into now, but also having played with Dwayne Wade. You know, I think that there's something in that 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 Bam really understands sort of the lore of this franchise. Um, It it is obviously part of what brought Jimmy Butler here and, and that Dwayne Wade is literally a part of that. But I think that there is this understanding with Bam where he talks about, like, I can't wait to pass UD and, and Dwayne Wade on some of these these records that they hold Bam. and and be a, a heat lifer in that way. And, and watching him continue to evolve his game has been so impressive because I think mm-hmm. every year when you look at these sort of athletic freaks like Bam is and these guys who are versatile and, and guys like Giannis and everyone expects that they will be close to a finished product by the time they're 22, 23 years old. There's so much more. And Bam has been such an example of that, that every single year he adds a little thing here and there to his offensive game that completely opens it up. Last year, it was a little bit of that mid-range jumper. Now that's incredibly consistent, but we've seen him with some of these moves in the post that lead to fadeaway jumpers that have not been a part of his game up until this season that it's been so impressive to see. But I do think that there's this sort of, I mean, what I think is just a ridiculous narrative, but a very silly narrative going on right now where with the Heat winning so much without Tyler Hero in the lineup 
and the Heat making their postseason run last year without Tyler Hero in the lineup, there seem to be all of these people clamoring for, well, they're just better without Tyler. Um, I think that's yeah. completely insane. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Coach, Coach Spolstra has, has explained ad nauseum why that is completely insane. But, well, man, so I'm going to ask you <laughs> to explain to these people who, who somehow believe that taking away the guy who has been really your best offensive player in the stretch where he played so far this season could somehow make this team better. Why, why that is completely off the wall. It's off the wall because he is your one real dynamic playmaker. Right? He's the one who creates offense about as well as anybody. You're probably better than anyone on that roster. And we've yeah. seen it so far this season in times where they, as a whole, were struggling. Remember, when Tyler was healthy, Jimmy was still ramping it up. Mm-hmm. You know, Caleb was still out. They were still working pieces together. Jay Rich was out for a little while, so you didn't really have a backup there for Kyle. He was where doing to go. It. Yeah, there were a lot of little things still happening. And Tyler was kind of carrying that load waiting for everyone to kind of come along and join them. Tyler gets hurt. Everyone's kind of joined them now, and they're doing their thing. It's silly. I guess the answer is it's silly, Jeremy. It's, yep. it's silly because we know what Tyler brings, and it goes back to the original point of depth. These guys know how to step in for each other, but they also know that at their best, you need Caleb healthy. You need Tyler healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a question. That's why Eric Spolster makes a lot more money than we do. That's a question for how Spo's going to use him. He's got to use Duncan. You've got to use Caleb. You've got to use Tyler. Jimmy Bam. You throw in the other guys like H and guys we've mentioned, Kevin Love, who gives you impactful minutes when he's in there. There is going to be a process when everyone's healthy, where Eric Spolster is going to have to figure out where, how, and when to use these guys. But I can guarantee you right now, Tyler Hero is going to be included in all that process. When he's healthy, he's going to be in those finishing lineups. He's going to be in those early lineups. He's going to be in the biggest of moments because that's where he shines and he continues to grow. So yeah, the Miami Heat are better with Tyler Hero healthy. They're better with Caleb Martin healthy. They're better as a whole. But I think what we're seeing now is that to fill in the gaps when guys are hurt, They've got some serious depth that can kind of help them along the way. Well, it it reminds me a bit of last season where I believe Tyler Hero played like 78 regular season games last year. And he, on so many different occasions, when Bam Adebayo was out for a stretch, when Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler was out for a whole bunch of different stretches throughout the regular season, he had to step up and carry that load offensively. And he's a huge part of the reason the Heat won as many games as they did, even though they barely scraped into the playoffs. And, and, And I think that he was set to have such a good postseason, and I think that the the way that people reacted to one of the greatest singular performances of all time that it took for Jimmy and the Heat to then upset Milwaukee, to then watch them just simply be the better team than the Knicks, and then yeah. go in and, and boat race Boston, by the way, yeah. with Caleb Martin being their best player throughout yep. that series, even more so yep. than Jimmy Butler. So you had these individual things working for you in all of those examples. Having Tyler Hero certainly would have helped, both, both helped, yeah. on, the, on the offensive end in particular, but... Watching him throughout this season, you you see the the big thing is, and, and I think that Wizards game was such an example, he's taken such a step as a playmaker. And I think that yeah. as a passer, as a guy who is not picking up his dribble without an idea of what he is going mm-hmm. to do with the basketball, and watching him get the rest of these guys involved, whether it's Haywood Highsmith hitting corner threes, whether it's Jaime Jaquez being on the floor with him and Really, Tyler being the only productive guy at the beginning of the season running with those guys off the bench. It's going to be fun to see the way that Spo incorporates him and Caleb back into this rotation when they're healthy. Because like you mentioned, I mean, an embarrassment of riches right now where all of these guys are playing so well and there is only one basketball to go around. The good news is 
all of your stars, even even Tyler, even though he's the scorer, the guy who says I can be the best scorer in this league, the guy who ultimately is a bucket, quote unquote. Yeah. All three of your stars are are pretty unselfish when it comes to yeah. basketball. Jimmy and Bam both, in some ways, would rather not score and just do all the rest of everything, and that's why having that depth will be so beneficial. So I think Heat fans should be in a good place. One six in a row. Uh, next game is is tonight, November sixteenth, Thursday night against the Brooklyn Nets. I will be on the sideline for that one. Really looking forward to it. Um, but let's before we wrap up here, Will. Um, there's three other teams in town. I don't count. The Canes, because go Knights. Um, Dolphins, Panthers, Marlins. Uh, we've got some storylines with all of them. So the Dolphins are coming back off a of bye week. There's there's some interesting questions about how great they really are after such mm-hmm. a hot start. Um, but seemingly maybe an easy road ahead. So option one could be to talk about the Dolphins and their expectations moving forward. Um, this is my yeah. chance to mention my chance to mention the Marlins uh, and Peter Bendix being hired as their president of baseball operations and yeah. could get your reaction to to that news and what it means for the Marlins and sort of emulating the Rays here. And then there's the Florida Panthers, who everybody seemingly wrote off before this season, who got off to like the a little bit of a slow start and now yeah. are playing some of the best hockey across the NHL. Sam Reinhart looks like one of the best players in the whole damn league. Um, I've got I've got all three of those storylines to present to you. I will ask you to to pick one, put your put your WPLG hat back on, wearing a bunch of different hats and covering all these teams, and tell me which team you'd like to talk about to close out this episode. I think I got to talk Dolphins just because they're yeah. at the forefront. I will say this though, Skip Schumacher, congratulations for winning manager. Oh of the year yeah, right. I didn't even I mention mean, that, Skip yeah, Schumacher. I mean, we, it is an embarrassment of riches in this town. We're the is. manager of the year, so congrats. God, Skip. They had a great season. I think Peter Bendix is a great hire. I think mm-hmm. that you will see that as it approaches the season, hopefully a good offseason. Panthers are a great story, but I think the Dolphins are the focus now because they're kind of that next one, you know, that next one. And when you look around the NFL and you see teams getting beat left and right by so-called bad teams, mm-hmm. you see teams left and right that are supposed to be great losing games and falling and this and that. And then you <clears> see the, the Dolphins. Bills. Yes. And then you see the Dolphins chugging along. Them winning games, they're supposed to is seen as a negative. Like right. since when it since when is that a negative? I thought losing games you're supposed to win was a negative. Not winning games you're supposed to win. They have the schedule in front of them. Oh yes, they have three losses. One was a struggle to the Bills, a team that plays them tough. We know Josh Allen's giving problems. Okay, I gave you that. Two was to the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last right. year. Both of them look like they're going right back in that direction, both away from South Florida. Mm-hmm. So when you sit there and you say to yourself, I mean, what's the complaint here? I'm sorry. What are we what are we complaining about? That they win games are supposed to be their first place. I love everything that's going on with the Dolphins. Do I feel confident to say, like, hey, this is a Super Bowl team? A step at a time. Mm-hmm. Win your division, get a home game, uh, and I feel good that they'll win a playoff game at home, and then take your chances from there. Yep. But everything about this team right now is on the upswing as a positive. There is no negativity in my mind about the Miami Dolphins just because they've lost to the Bills the Chiefs, and the Eagles this season, as if that's some sort of like a black eye on their existence. Particularly when you see all three of those teams losing games that they shouldn't have lost. Like all, all of those teams have lost games they shouldn't. And I think you make such a great point about like, 
just win the games that are on your schedule just because you're facing some teams that aren't so great. And look, maybe five weeks from now, you and I are having a separate conversation because somehow they go two and three or three and two against a schedule that's supposed to be easier over the next few weeks. But if they continue to take care of business against teams they're favored against, they're going to be 11 and three. Like they're going to be a a team that is uh, positioned for a home game to start the postseason, potentially competing maybe, for the maybe, number maybe, one seed maybe in the conference. Two home games. They, right. get the two, they get the two seed. That's two home games right. you get if you win that first one, obviously. Right, and it puts you in such a great spot to have success moving forward. And when you watch the evolution of this team, the thing that excites you is, is the way that the defense played against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think everybody yeah. panicked because the offense struggled going out to Germany. Seeing the defense play well against a team that you very well might see in an AFC Championship game should you get there is very exciting, very encouraging. So lots lots to be happy about across South Florida. I'm so mad at myself for not remembering Skip Schumacher as the manager of the year. I should have started the damn podcast you've got, with it. You've got enough going on with that, but I, I love Skip. I was so he's happy the for best, him. Like, he's better with the damn award. Yeah, he, he was the manager of the year for sure. He is yeah. the best, and it's so cool to see the culture that he's imprinted on this team already. Peter Bendix at his opening day, or not opening day, but at his opening press conference spoke about yeah. you know wanting to continue to build a culture in, in the organization, and no, nobody better to work with than Skip to continue to build that. So, so hopefully that's a partnership going forward, many, many years, and mm-hmm. building something cool down here in Miami. Uh, Will Manso, thank you as always for your time. Uh, you could follow him at Will Manso on Twitter. Uh, Will, where else should people uh, be ready to go check out your work? Always WPLG daily over at Channel Ten here in South Florida. For those that uh, still watch local TV. Thank you very much. I know it's dwindling a bit, but I always appreciate it. And then obviously with you and Kelly and Jax and the whole crew, Eric and John on Bally uh, covering heat games all year long. It's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun year. It's a, it's a fun team to be around. Uh, you sense it. I know you do with the mm-hmm. players. We we all sense it. It's just a different energy, again, for a team that sort of ran it back, but feels different from last year. So de- uh, it's going to be a fun year uh, the rest of the way on Bally. Absolutely. This will be a blast. You can watch all of those games on Bally Sports, all the Heat games, all the Panthers games, and the Heat's next game tonight. Tune in for the Heat Live pregame show at 7 o'clock, tip just after 7.30. I will be there on the sideline alongside Eric Reed and John Crotty. Looking forward to this one. Heat Nets tonight. Will Manso, thank you once again. Always my pleasure.